traditional organizations have a very precise way in which they attract, train, and manage and deploy human talent in a hierarchical and centralized manner, especially, of course, if we are talking about developing physical products and uh, the production plants in industries, heavy metals. But the economy is more and more based on products and services that are completely digital. And we have the opportunity to think about a new kind of organization that is not physically connected in a single space. 15 years ago, maybe even a little more, in Silicon Valley, I was talking about this with a, um, a, a manager at Cisco, a very large company building the foundations of internet networking and connectivity. And she remarked how her peer in the organization who worked in another tower in the same campus would be able to communicate to her with the appropriate tools and they would almost never meet in person because they didn't need to. And if that person or herself were far thousands of miles rather than in the same geographical location, it would have made no difference. Already that time, 15, maybe 20 years ago, to those people who paid attention, it was clear that those organizations or even just those units of an enterprise that didn't concentrate on building and producing physical goods could be remote. The advantages of remote teams are everywhere, starting from the hiring process. Rather than having to arbitrarily concentrate on talent in a given radius from the place of employment, where either they already reside or they are available to reside, uprooting their family, changing the schools of the kids and uh, all those very, very important transformations that moving your physical location requires. During the selection and the hiring process, the company can actually extend this radius to the entire planet and really attract the best people, the most passionate, creative to that particular task. And then let them work where they already live. Or if they want to move, let them move to any location on the planet. The example that I always make when I talk about remote things and their success is automatic with the two T's um, 
in the second location, automatic. Automatic is the maker of WordPress. And if you are not familiar with the name of the company, you're almost certainly familiar with the name of the product. WordPress powers something like 30% of the world's websites. It is available in two versions, either as a hosted uh, platform or in open source that you can install yourself um, with your hosting provider for your website. In, in both cases, it's very easy both to install, configure and use. And it is the basis of an extremely rich ecosystem of plugins and solutions and the developers and content creators and graphic artists, team developers, integration partners and so on. Automatic has over a thousand people and no offices. Literally, everybody works wherever they want. They work in a co-working space. They work at home. Automatic organizes periodical retreats uh, with specific teams getting together uh, in a particular location. But during the year, when these uh, events, team building opportunities don't happen, everybody is wherever they want to be. And the company is extremely efficient as well as extremely robust and resilient. The latest round of funding valued automatic at $3 billion of valuation. And in terms of the measure for a web a company that is probably the most important, the number of unique visitors, WordPress.com is one of the largest websites in the world with over 150 million unique monthly visitors. But what is interesting is if you put in perspective that, for example, uh, Google has over 250 million visitors per month, but it achieves that with over 100,000 people while WordPress is in the same league in terms of num monthly visitors, but at 1% of the other number. So obviously there are very important organizational consequences uh, in terms of how a remote team works. Employees must be feeling extremely empowered and self-driven, accountable to their peers, to management, but most importantly, accountable to themselves in terms of how they organize their day, of how they produce the output uh, that they are expected to produce, which in self will drive value to them and to the company. This output can be code or um, creative content, or it can be relationships with customers over the phone, over video conferencing. It can be measured in lines of code or in contracts signed, sales 
achieved. And the role, of course, of uh, middle management also is very different. Um, it is a classical 20th century picture uh, to see people in cubicles or at their desks and uh, the boss walking uh, among uh, the employees humming and, and uh, remarking and patting on the back and um, maybe offering uh, hopefully constructive criticism. But at the end of the day, basically being the shepherd, making sure that the sheep are at, in a given place, that uh, the employees punch uh, the card. And that is what is not necessarily there in a remote team anymore, including that role of the shepherd that middle management exercised not needing to be exercised anymore. What the value of management is going to be beyond additional traditional values that may still be there in terms of analyzing the implementation of strategies, deciding tactical uh, decisions, coordinating and uh, uh, making sure that there is agreement in how those uh, steps are executed. One new role that management is going to exercise together with everybody else, of course, is to become the nurturers of culture. Company culture, which is expressed in traditional organizations in things as abstract as daily rituals at uh, the coffee machine, or as concrete as the design and the interaction with the physical building that people enter and exit every day in their nine to five company lives. These are very different in a, in a remote organization and in a remote team. Culture, however, is not less important, if possible, is even more important. What is the mission of the company? How does that impact all the stakeholders? How is the mission achieved progressively? How are people expected to behave? What are the ethical and operational components that are informing everyday decisions? This culture in remote organizations has to be much more explicit than what can be assumed to be understood and passed on from person to person in those organizations that have a physical space to call home. In the physical buildings, body language, uh, meeting spaces, little rituals every day are going to 
let people understand the components of the culture. And yes, there can be an employee handbook that uh, in a usually pretty legal language describes duties and, and expectations and procedures. But still, most of the company culture will be about what happens in the building. And nobody, or very seldom, will explain and make it explicit. To the point that there are examples of very interesting and intriguing literature and uh, movies or uh, television series that are based on the fact that when this culture is made explicit, certain features emerge that otherwise are unseen and these explicit components make it intriguing, interesting or ridiculous and laughable. Uh, in the UK and in the US, the series The Office achieves this. In Italy, um, the character Fantozzi, originally in novels and then pretty soon translated in movies that have become successful not only in Italy but in other places, for example Russia as well, played on the dehumanizing nature of the culture of certain companies. But in a remote team, all of that does not necessarily happen. The bandwidth of communication afforded by today's collaborative tools is very efficient to the task. Whether it is Slack for messaging, whether it is Zana for assigning tasks, whether it is Google Docs or other collaborative folders and document management systems, each of these achieves its goal and very well, but exactly because it is stripped to what is needed and nothing more, it doesn't form the scaffolding of those extraneous pieces that will support and will nurture the company culture. So this culture has to be more didascalic. It has to be narrated more broadly and deeply. And there will be various consequences of how we live on the planet when we are part of a remote team that this culture will inherit and will incorporate. Some of it will be by the choice of the company, but other things will be necessary, unavoidable. For example, if the team has people both in the American continent and in uh, Europe or Africa and in the Far East, Asia or Australia simultaneously, then unavoidably, if there is a meeting where members from each of these three clusters, 
have to participate, one of them will be uncomfortable because either they will have to wake up at four or five in the morning or they cannot go to sleep before one or two in the night. If you look at the time zones, that is a direct, unavoidable physical consequence of our planet. And it is not going to change, ever. Now, this is to the point where some teams or some members of, of teams adapt their sleeping cycles. Uh, if there are Chinese team members in American teams or there are South American team members in uh, Korean teams and so on, wherever there is the perceived center, the others may choose to adapt in order to move their waking hours more in sync with the rhythm and the interaction when it is more intensive with the majority uh, of the team members. Or a company may decide to discourage synchronous communication where the two or more parties have to be there simultaneously and push instead asynchronous communication, whether email or chat or other tools, where it doesn't matter or it matters much less when exactly a message is sent, delivered, read, responded. The team and the culture for remote collaboration is going to be analyzed, adopted, implemented, updated in many different ways as tens of thousands of companies in every country that is impacted by the coronavirus epidemic of the first half of 2020 necessarily asks their people to work from home. It is a huge global experiment and it will be very interesting to find how the value discovered in remote teams when the culture supports and reflects this kind of organization is going to be maintained after the crisis passes and how much companies will discover that this way of working is actually much better much more efficient while still robust and resilient than the alternative championed by leading companies in the 20th century. A new thing, different, that we will cover in another episode of the context is the decentralization of the teams, of how certain types of governance can not only allow remote collaboration, but the decision-making can happen in a flattened hierarchy or without any hierarchy at all. I am looking forward to 
have you participate in these episodes. I want you to send me your questions and curiosities. As I produce the context with my team, you know you can support it on Patreon for as little as $5 a month and I will be grateful offering you additional opportunities such as live Q&As and other exclusive ways of keeping in touch. Thank you.